Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Our scripture lesson comes to us this morning from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, verses 35 through 51. If you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible, that page number is 87. Hear now God's word. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon, and one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God descending and ascending upon the son of man. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God God, indeed. Good morning, church. I'm Adam Seat, lead pastor here at Orange. And I am so excited about this week and all the different opportunities we have to connect and to help others find their place in God's story. And one of the things that we're doing this year, Pastor Corey made reference to, is over the course of this week, we invite you to help us envision what a new church t-shirt or might look like. I've got a t-shirt that was given to me the first day that I was here at Orange, and some of you probably have a shirt similar to this. says on the back what part of our old vision statement was, and uh, it's a, a beautiful reminder to wear out into the community. I wear this every week, every month, when I go on the porch food distribution uh, 
opportunities. It's one of the ways that I feel like I'm trying to give witness to the community that we're a church that does help and love people and show that love with others. And so I want to invite you. Think of the punniest idea that you could put on the back of the shirt. What, something that we could do to help others see and get to know a little bit about the church. I'll go ahead. I'll spill the beans on the idea that I'm working on and, and fleshing out. It has, at the top of it, it says, find your, and then there's a blank, and then underneath it, it's a word search that has the word place in it, and it's circled. Find your place, and then out at the bottom, in God's story. Now, also in that word search, it has words like love, family, connection, things like that. So finding whatever in God's story. I want to invite you to come up with the craftiest idea that we could put on a t-shirt or sweatshirt or something so that we could let people in our community, when we go out and about, it, what an easy way to let somebody know about who we are as a church. And so think of the most creative way that you can, and, and we'll figure it out from there. But we're going to vote on which one we're going to go with next Sunday at the potluck meal. And I can't wait for the potluck. I've already started making sourdough rolls. I'm going to make some homemade macaroni and cheese. Oh, I, it's going to be good. I can't wait to have all the fixings that everybody brings and that we share in together. So looking forward to that. But let's go to God once again in a time of prayer. Lord God Almighty, I give thanks for the many ways you are at work. I give thanks for seeing the beautiful sunshine shining through these windows today. As that light comes through, Lord, we feel your presence. As we have been pouring out our praise unto you, you have been pouring out your Holy Spirit unto us. And so fill us in this time. Draw us close to you. And as we have heard your word read and now to be proclaimed, may it speak to us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. All of my life, I have thought of myself pretty much as, as a runner. As a child, I loved to run. I was always zooming about from this place to the next. And so my parents got me involved in running track and I ran track and cross country all the way through school and into college and and then somehow life happened, and I stopped running. Life got busy, got married, got kids. Well, had kids. But life got busy, and I no longer ran. But I still thought of myself as a runner, I, it, just something within my, the core of my being. And somewhere about in my mid-30s, I remember thinking, you know what? I want to try to run again. And so I signed up for a 5K because I knew if I had a race in front of me, that might help me be committed to my training. So I started training to run a 5K, 3.1 miles. And my sons even were going to run and be a part of it with me. And so we ran it, and I felt so alive once again because that's who I am. I'm a runner. That It's a part of my identity. And I thought, I enjoy that so much. I wonder if I could do a 10K. So 6.2 miles, and so I signed up for one, and, and I, lo and behold, I trained for that, and I ran it, and felt amazing. I loved it. I was a runner. And so I decided then to set my sights on the next distance 
a half marathon, 13.1 miles. And so I trained and I trained and I trained. I was so nervous that first race and I went and I ran it. And I had so much energy at the end of it, so much more. I didn't run fast enough throughout the course of the race. And so as I was getting towards the finish line, I started picking up my pace and running even harder because I knew I had it in me. And about that time, an 11-year-old girl passed me. (laughs) I knew I could beat that 11-year-old girl, but everybody was cheering her on, so I, I, I let her win that day. But I finished the race and could not believe how I felt, and I was addicted. I knew I had to keep running. And so then I set my sights on the next thing, a marathon. I signed up for a race and the next year to run in Disney World, the Disney World Marathon, and I began training. I didn't know really what I was doing, but I was following as much information as I could see online. And I trained, and I trained, and I did it. I finished the race, which was my only goal, just to finish. I didn't have a time, but I finished it. And I knew, I've been told before, you never run two marathons. You either run one or several, because either you have such a miserable experience, you're never going to do it again, or you keep going. Well, I decided then I was a marathoner. And so I signed up for another. I ran that one. I loved it. So then I decided I wanted to run the New York City Marathon. And that was number one on my bucket list. I signed up. I got into the race. I trained. I trained. And it was a horribly difficult race. But two and a half million people were out there cheering you on among 50,000 runners. And I had a t-shirt a friend had made for me. It had my name in real big letters on the front and on the back. And people were just shouting out, go Adam, you got this Adam. And other runners I would be talking to, and they're like, wow, a lot of people know you. I'm like, yeah. I'm kind of a big deal. (laughs) So I loved that experience. So I signed up for the New York City Marathon again, and I ran it again the following year and had an even more amazing experience, made friends, talking with people over the course as you're running through the five boroughs of New York City. And it was an amazing, incredible experience. And again, to hear the cheering. And so I knew I wanted to run New York City one more time. And that was going to be about it because my wife had had her fill of New York City at that time. And so I signed up for one more. And I'll never forget that day because that day I fell out of love with running. All my life I thought I was a runner. I had trained so hard for that race. I ate more salads instead of pizza than I think the whole pizza industry went into a recession that year because I was so dedicated to my diet. I was so dedicated to my training. I did everything. I thought I did everything right. And then the day of the race came. And I tried to, I was in Grand Central Station trying to find the right train to get down to where I had to get on the Staten Island Ferry to take the ferry over to where the race would start, and I got lost. I was confused. One of the trains that I was supposed to take was not running that morning. I was completely clueless. I'm running about using way much more energy than what I had hoped prior to running 26.2 miles. Finally, I got there just in time. The ferry got there. I got off the ferry just in time as my group was getting ready to start the race. And so I had to throw off all the warm-up clothes that I'd had and get ready and go. And next thing you know, the race started. And about as soon as the race started, it started to rain. And it was miserable. I mean, about halfway through, my shoes were so soaking wet, they were heavy. 
And every time I tried to talk to somebody, they, they had earbuds in, and so I'd say something to them, and they wouldn't respond. They didn't want to talk. Yeah, I'm that guy on the airplane. I'm sorry. But I'm the one that wants to talk to the people around me. I thought that was a way to sort of kill the time as we share, and nobody would talk. Or if I spoke to someone, they didn't speak English, and so we couldn't talk anyway. I knew I was going to finish that race, but I knew that was going to be the last race that I ran. I used to think of myself as a runner all the way up to that point. But after that, when I got home from New York, I went out to my car and I took off that magnet on the back of my car that if you've, anybody has run a marathon, they always have to put that sticker or magnet on their car. I took it off because that was not who I was anymore. It's who I used to be, but it's not who I am anymore. And so that day, something changed, and I'm no longer who I used to be. You know, all of us have things that we used to be or used to do or even used to go to. Maybe you used to be a musician. Maybe you still are. We can start that back. I love when we would do our new member class and we would have a chance to talk with people who were interested in joining the church. We'd ask, did they grow up in the church? And a lot of people would say, well, I'm, I used to be Catholic or I used to be Baptist. And these used to identities of who we used to be. Maybe you used to go to the gym or maybe you used to go to football games. We all have used to's in our lives. I mean, just this past week, as Jennifer and I were out walking the dog early one morning, I was reminded how I used to love to read the morning paper. Now, some of you may not be familiar with what that is. But I used to love getting the paper and sitting down and having a cup of coffee and reading over the news. I used to. I used to have a home phone. Not anymore. It seems that that's gone away by the wayside. I used to be a runner. More and more in our society and in our culture today, there's a lot more used to's. And one of those identities of used to is used to go to church. Many of you probably know friends and family or neighbors that used to go to church. But somewhere along the way, they no longer continued to live into that. For whatever reason, they used to. I mean, I remember as, as my childhood that everybody on the street you knew was going to some faith community to worship on that Sunday morning. But now it's more of a small group in our society that gathers for worship. We've become a society of used to's, used to go to church. And the pandemic certainly didn't help things when we couldn't. When all we could do is just watch online or even neglect that. Statistics are saying something about who we are as a society right now. A, current, a recent survey said that 59% of Americans rarely or never attend a worship service outside of a funeral or wedding. 59% of Americans rarely or never attend a worship service outside of a funeral or a wedding. But in that same survey, it says that 53% of Americans report that they believe in God and have zero doubts about God. So they, they have this belief in God, but they don't move into corporate 
belief of living it out together. And, and look, I know I've had amazing spiritual experiences on my own, running through the woods or running on my own or being out on the beach by myself. I've had incredible spiritual experiences, but none of those experiences measure up to what happens when we gather together in the name of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is poured out and we become one body, lifting up our voices in song, lifting up our voices in prayer, lifting up silence in the presence of God. Something happens when we do that. And yet, we do that less and less. And one of those statistics that really hit home for me, it says that 66% of people drop out of going to church between the ages of 18 and 22. 66% of people drop out of going to church during that time frame. I did. I certainly did. I'm thankful that I came back. But so many, and, and I wonder why so many people drop out of going to church during that age from 18 to 22. And I really think a lot of it has to do with up until that age, somebody's taking you to church most likely. Mom and dad are putting you in the car seat and taking you off to church or telling the kids, the teenagers, come on, it's time to go. We all got to go to church. And so we, somebody was taking us to church. But when we have the opportunity to make a decision for ourselves, whether or not we're going to live into it, a lot of times, 66%. And I would dare say that number is probably low. I think it's probably a lot higher. So we are a society that more and more have become people that used to. We used to go to church. We used to live into our faith. And, and there was one last statistic that I will say is that among Christians in America, 55% report that we have not shared our faith with another person over the past six months. I think that number is probably a little low as well. 55% not sharing their faith with somebody else. I think we don't share it because we're in a time and age that we don't want to offend somebody. We don't want to make assumptions. We don't share our faith because we want to make sure that we're accepted. We want to make sure that we don't cause problems for somebody else. But the thing is, I think it's also because we don't know how to share our faith. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. How can we say it to someone? Come and see. Come and see. See, I think right here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he gives us this beautiful example of the ways that maybe we can make a dent in some of these trends. Maybe we can change things back. Because everybody, everybody has some kind of longing within them for something more. Everybody has a void within their hearts. They don't know how to address it. They don't know how to find it filled. So how can we help lead somebody else into filling that void, that God-shaped hole with the living presence of God? In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, it says that Jesus has been baptized by John, and John has given witness to who Jesus is. And even some of John's followers began to follow Jesus. A couple are walking behind him. Jesus turned, as Pastor Corey read, and he asked them, what are you looking for? And they said, where are you staying? And Jesus, in that moment, gives what is absolutely the most simple invitation that I think anybody can learn and even use. Jesus says, come and see. Come and see. And they begin, they follow him. And after just a short amount of time of being with him, 
one goes to his brother, Simon. He goes to his brother and he says, Simon, we have found the Messiah. It's not even been hardly a day. And he's already convinced that being in the presence of Christ, he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And so I imagine, Scripture doesn't say, but what we know enough about Simon Peter, when you read enough of the Gospels and you see that Simon Peter, the way he would question things, the way that he would uh, be so bold and defiant, I imagine when he's told that we have found the Messiah, I imagine Simon Peter's like big whoop. There's been a lot of people who have claimed to be the Messiah. How do we know this is the real one? And I can only imagine, I can only imagine his brother saying, you know what? Come and see. I mean, it's not recorded in Scripture, but I can only imagine that Simon was told, come and see. And he did. He came. He saw. His life was changed forever. Scripture then says they, they continued on going to another community. And as they go... We have the encounter between Philip and Nathaniel. Philip has been around Jesus and he is convinced. And so Philip goes and he seeks out Nathaniel and he says, Nathaniel, come. We have found the anointed one. He is convinced he, that God-shaped hole within his heart has been filled by the presence of Jesus. And Nathaniel says, you have found who? And he says, the anointed one, Jesus, son of John. Son of Joseph, not John. Son of Joseph of Nazareth. Nathaniel, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, look, we can relate to that, right? I mean, we, we get pretty tied up into our own communities and looking down upon others. I mean, couldn't we around here say, can any good thing come out of Durham? Can any good thing come out of Raleigh? <laughs> Depends. No, I won't say anything. Uh, We can get that same way. We can get that same way. And instead of arguing, I love it. He doesn't start to say, here's what all the prophets said that proved Jesus is who he says he is. Here's, he didn't argue with them and point out scripture. He didn't argue with them and tell them all the different things that Jesus is going to do. He didn't do any of that. All he said was, come and see. Come and see. And he went. And Jesus sees him and he says, oh, here is truly the true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel, how did you know me? How do you know me? Oh, Nathaniel, I knew you while you were still sitting under the fig tree. Jesus, he sees and he knows. And immediately, Nathaniel is convinced. He says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. It's not because of what Philip said to him. It's because Philip issued that invitation. Maybe maybe there are people in our lives that we need to issue an invitation to. Maybe there are people that are used tos in our lives. Maybe in family. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's our next door neighbors. We know that they, maybe they used to be people of faith. Maybe even people of this very congregation. Maybe they used to. But something happened that changed. But maybe they're waiting for that invitation, for somebody to simply say, come, come and see. All we do is when we bring them to Jesus, Jesus is the one that does the transformation. All they've got to do is come and see, and Jesus is the one that changes the hearts. Jesus is the one that fills that void we can't fill. 
But we, we've got to start with that invitation. Come and see. Maybe you yourself have, have a longing within your heart. Maybe you've been feeling that there's something more that you need in your life. And there is. And I would say to you, come and see. I mean, this week, there are these opportunities that you can come and to, to interact with one another, to be able to understand more and more what it means to be fully a part of the body of Christ, whether it's through a small group, a study, or even joining the choir and, and being a part of that time of worship that we share. Come and see. Maybe it's just getting to know the people that sit across the pew from us that we see all the time that we don't even realize that we have so much in common with. Come and see. And maybe this is the opportunity for us to bring somebody, bring somebody to the Jesus that can fill their hearts, fill that void, and they find exactly what they need. But they're waiting for you to say, come and see. Let us pray. Lord, we're not who we used to be. In you, we become a new creation. Sometimes we fall away from who we are. Sometimes we fall away from you. Have we seen in our world around us, we recognize that there are so many used to's. But you can call us into a new life. Lord, may we find the courage to be willing to say to somebody else, come and see. We don't have to go into preaching to them. We don't have to go into to teaching them. We just simply have to be willing to invite. Just come and see. And anybody that is drawn close to you can't help but be transformed by your light. So may we come and see. And may we be willing to issue that invitation so that others may come and see who you are. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.